Rock and roll is a risk. You risk being ridiculed. But I don't know how to write a song. Close that door and sit down. Really? It's gonna be a long night. Of school in the morning. This is school. Hey, cassettes, and welcome back to the BCD. <laughs> Whoa. Hey. <laughs> Different. <laughs> We're three old friends learning everything we can about movies and TV and hopefully teaching you in the process. I'm Robin. I'm Marcy. And I'm Adam. Hey. Hi. <laughs> Did you guys miss us? It's been a week. Yeah. Oh, God, a whole Ooh, week. A whole week? <laughs> yeah. Just for a moment, allow us to take you back to one of the most uncomfortable times in your life. Your teenage years. Oh. <laughs> I oh. bet you regret hitting play on this already. Oh. Were you awkward? <laughs> <laughs> Did you hate the way you looked? Maybe you had bullies that made your life hell, or perhaps you had problems at home. And while you navigated the confusing landscape of life between childhood and adulthood, maybe you longed for control or a sense of belonging, or maybe even an escape. But as long as you could put your headphones on, turn on the radio, or drop the needle on your favorite record, you knew that everything would be okay. <sighs> that mm-hmm. was that was the bus ride, man. Yeah. Yep. The the the, the, ter- <laughs> the you know the cool down after yep, a day the, of just the, the worst. The unwind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were a very music family growing up. My dad introduced me to a lot of music. He loves music. My brother Tim. Helped me make a lot of burnt CDs. My sister Rachel introduced me to a lot of different music too. Music was it for me. That was one of those things that it, it was like you were untouchable when mm-hmm. you had music in. You felt okay. Everything was okay, you know. Yeah. And you could just have your fantasies and your, you know, live in this totally different universe just for a little while, mm-hmm. you know. Especially on the bus ride, Adam mm-hmm. and I rode the bus together. When we were kids, and you know, I just remember that was a big thing. You know, yeah. sometimes yeah. we talk to each other, but sometimes it was a headphone kind of day, and you just looked out the window. Yeah, you just knew it, and man. you just <laughs> mm-hmm. lots of best of albums. Absolutely, you know? I had the Labyrinth soundtrack. Dude, yes, I remember. <laughs> I remember you had gotten Bob O'Reilly on your MP3 player, and you <laughs> handed me the headphone through the between the seats of the bus. Yeah. Yep. But the thing about Bob O'Reilly is that it's in stereo. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I heard that for like what felt like five minutes straight and no other rest of the song. And I was like, when does the rest, rest start? It. Is this a joke? Because <laughs> I couldn't even hear the dun, dun, dun. It's like, yeah. what? <laughs> what is this? You're like, interesting choice. <laughs> I was like, is this, is this kind of, some kind of remix? <laughs> When we were younger than our teenage years, Robin mm. and I would be on the bus together, <laughs> and she had those old headphones. I had where, a Walkman. Yeah, yeah. That had the like metal wire <laughs> thing in between them, and so we would smash our heads together, and one person uh. would have one... <laughs> It's a cute, the cutest. One the other. Yes. And we'd listen yeah. to uh, hits like The Electric Slide. Slide. I had a dance party. Yes. Oh, I had a dance party mix <laughs> mixtape. This is what the movie Sing Street is all about. Written and directed by John Carney, this film follows teenager Connor Lawler as he and his friends start a band in 1980s Ireland. Filled with catchy original songs, Sing Street flawlessly blends music and narrative to tell a moving story about friendship, brotherhood, and the freeing power of music. 
Woo-hoo. Yeah, this yes. is a good one. This oh. is. <laughs> My sister Becky also loves this movie. Mm-hmm. She introduced it to me when it first came out. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So this week we're traveling back to the 1980s to pet some bunnies, play some music, and learn all about Sing Street. Yay. Oh, yes. Snap. Adam, you just saw this movie for the first time. What did you yeah. think? That's right. Um, my first thought was, ooh, those are some thick accents. <laughs> so maybe um, maybe put on subtitles if you're, if you're, not, if you're not ready for the uh, Irish accent. But it was wonderful. It was a fantastic movie yeah. because the story was so small scale, which is, you know, it doesn't happen that often. A lot of movies try to ramp things up, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it was all just these this group of kids, and they wanted to put together a band in a high school, and they liked current music so they were like yeah let's do it <laughs> and then this girl obviously and then mixed in with the family stuff i mm-hmm. mean it it was so good and then on top of that the beautiful icing on the cake was that the music was actually great yes. <laughs> like worth listening to without even knowing about the movie like oh mm-hmm. damn this is a real band sing street they have only five songs or whatever it is <laughs> yeah but they're all fucking amazing so it's like awesome. it's great it's a good bet if it's Irish that I yeah I will like it. I'm just gonna say it I think or said something about this movie is like it. yeah this movie is very up your yeah. alley yeah. So for those of you who haven't seen the movie, as we do at the beginning of some of these episodes, <laughs> here's a synopsis. Due to money issues, Connor Lawler's parents have transferred him to the Christian Brothers School on Sing Street, while enduring his first day of unruly classes strict teachers, and school bullies, Connor notices a girl named Rafina standing across the street. When he approaches her, she tells him she's a model. Desperate to get her number, Connor lies and tells her he's in a band that needs a model for a music video. After Rafina agrees to the video, Connor and his new and only friend hurriedly put together a band under the guidance and influence of Connor's music-loving older brother, Brendan. So we're going to talk a little bit about the making of the movie. <laughs> Yay. As, Yay. as usual. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to mention real quick, too, all three of us went to a Catholic school. In this movie, in Ireland, it's so different. The culture is so different where, mm-hmm. it to us, this is really mind-blowing that he's being pulled out of the school that requires tuition and then put into the public school, yes. which is this Catholic school right. where you have, you know, brothers and mm-hmm. you know, teaching. Yeah, because it very, it's very opposite for us. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Here in America, if you're going to have any kind of religious influence in a school, it's a private school. Mm-hmm. You can't have that in a public school mm-hmm. here. John Carney is an Irish musician and filmmaker known for his award-winning films like Once and Begin Again. His movies are notable for blending music with the plot and all have connections to Carney's life. Sing Street is loosely based on Carney's childhood. Like Connor, he attended the Christian Brothers School on Sing Street CBS. To gain respect from teachers and bullies, Carney formed a band with his friends. So, so much of this is kind of... Yeah. Yeah. Just, there's the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of being pulled from real experiences. Eventually, Carney became a founding member of an Irish rock band called The Frames. When he was about 20 years old, Carney made the difficult decision to leave the band and pursue filmmaking. He knew that the band would only become more popular, and staying in it would cement his career as a rock musician. 
But Carney wanted to explore filmmaking, even though it meant that he would be broke and have to start from scratch. That's tough. Yeah, man. That is tough. When you're, like, doing good, you're, like, yeah. feeling stable, Isn't and then to go right? back. It's yeah. like he made it, and he was like, cool, now that I know that I can make it at that, <clears throat> you know, I'm going to go switch. ahead and <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pivot back to this other thing. I don't know if I could do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's hard when you think about it. Even mm-hmm. even if you're in a job you don't even particularly like, you know, leaving the security of it to, to do something else is difficult. It's difficult. And, mm-hmm. you know, he... He liked making music. Yeah. Oh, yeah. His career seemed to take off after he and his brother co-wrote and directed the successful TV series Bachelor's Walk. When Carney made the film once, he cast his former bandmate and lead singer of Frames as the lead. Ah, that's That's, real nice. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Carney considers Sing Street to be his most honest film, not necessarily because it's so autobiographical, but because it represents how he was feeling at this time in his life. He didn't want the story to be colored by an adult perspective. He wanted to genuinely show the experiences of kids and not in a retrospective way. As he explained to Den of Geek, I wanted it to feel that the kids in the film were making the film. Hmm. That's an interesting way to look, to put it, you know? Yeah, I like that. And it it really shows to me because so many coming-of-age movies, you feel the adult presence. Mm -hmm. But this movie, you don't have a voice that is interpreting the emotions of the characters. Yeah. Because a lot of the time, we've talked about this with The Wonder Years. Mm -hmm. The Wonder Years, you know, it was well served the narrator because characters like Kevin Arnold aren't very good in the moment at Mm -hmm. explaining to people how he feels. But a narrator off screen can make that explanation, especially since they're an adult. And in this movie, you don't have that. No. So much more is up for interpretation. Yeah. Because you don't have somebody saying, here's how I felt when this happened at this point in time. Right. You just yeah. see Connor get up and leave the room. Yeah, he even talked about going back through his diaries from when he was that age. Yeah. And, and looking at the things that he wrote down about what people were saying about music, what music he was listening to exactly. And he talked to his bandmates and just kind of immersed himself back in that time and was able to pull that into the movie. And it worked. It worked wonderfully. And the best way to get like the feel of a certain time period, right? Would be Mm -hmm. to actually put yourself there, right? Rather than be just being told like, oh yeah. I remember when the 80s was this, that, and the other thing, right? No, it's just we're here. This yes. is it, and we're yeah. experiencing it yep. along with these kids. And it doubly helps because writing something that you experienced, at least in some way, you know exactly what to put on, you know, what exactly yeah. what to put in the movie. Yeah. Because you know exactly how it happened mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. Which is why he actually had also said that he didn't want to put it in present day because it would oh, age yeah, it. Yeah. He doesn't know what kids are into these <laughs> yep. days. He can't He can't re- fully relate. Mm-hmm. So he was like, I'm going to put it in a time that I know about. Exactly. And I, yeah, yeah. It, it's already aged, you know, in a way. Yes, so. exactly. <laughs> it's yeah. It'll always be the 1980s. Mm-hmm. And- All right. So the movie was filmed on location in Dublin, Ireland. Sweet. That's very cool. Like we said before, Sing Street is based on a real place, the Christian Brothers School in Dublin by the name of Sing Street CBS. The actual building was founded in 1864 and is a well-known and established place. I think it's crazy that he was able to 
like use the name of the school he yeah. was in. Yeah, just everything. And yeah, just the whole thing. Like it's it's all real. Like they didn't all good. Yeah. <laughs> Not only did John Carney attend this school, but other successful people as well, such as Hot Press founder Niall Stokes, broadcaster Gay Byrne, and Jim Norton, who is an actor in the show Father Ted. Even Ferdia's father, Ferdia played Connor, attended this school. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Do you think yeah. they do you a think they tell everyone like, oh, look at all these <laughs> successful people that came yeah, from the school? Yeah, they probably oh, do. Absolutely. They probably do. <laughs> yeah. And I, I just think it's I, I just the idea of being able to go back to a school where you had such a terrible experience yeah. as a kid, and then you get to go back and make this movie mm-hmm. as a successful filmmaker <laughs> on location yeah. at the school where you endured all that pain and anxiety <laughs> it's almost like you get so to rewrite weird. it you know yeah it's, it's like you yeah. get to be like hey <laughs> <laughs> i did it take that past yeah <laughs> yeah exactly which speaking of when asked about how he felt returning carney said it was like a prisoner coming back to alcatraz now that it's sort of a tourist spot School to me was like a prison. I didn't want to go, and I was a fish out of water. I wasn't a good student, so it felt very much like restraint. So it was kind of funny being back in a position of complete authority from one of completely subservient student life. You know, 30 years earlier. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) I really, I, yeah. I would love this. Yeah, man, what a feeling. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be cool. Since the 1980s, when this film was set, the school has changed to become more progressive, inclusive, and boastful of wonderful teachers and excellent academic records. The cinematographer for this film was Jaren Orbach. He has worked with John Carney on his previous film, Begin Again. He also was the cinematographer for 13 episodes of Orange is the New Black. Some of the most compelling visual elements of the movie are the music videos created by the band. Orbach flawlessly recreated the look and feel of home movies and blended them with the top-notch visuals created by the modern cameras used to shoot the film. The movie was shot on film and digital, using an Aerocam light camera and a red Epic camera. That's cool. Fancy. Kind of like a mixture of film and... Digital media, yeah. it's interesting mm-hmm. how they did that. Yeah, I really nice. like those parts of the movie because they, you know, you see them filming it, like, behind the camera. You know, yeah. the actual movie camera is filming the guy <laughs> filming them, right? <laughs> but we still get to see the VHS version yeah. that mm-hmm. they actually shot, you know, partly cut. It's mixed in. It's cut together. showing his yeah. brother. It's like, I love that. It's so, it's so cute. Yeah. Because that look, we were very familiar with that look and that yeah. feel. You know, real. We all grew up with, <laughs> we all grew up with the VHS yes. video recorders and yes. mm-hmm. the highest quality you can get. <laughs> Tiziana Corversari designed the costumes for the film. The challenge was to recreate the 1980s DIY counterculture punk aesthetic, as kids would throw together makeshift outfits as a form of rebellion. My gosh, they're so good. (laughs) The audience needed to believe that these teenagers were putting their outfits together at home, which means they couldn't look polished or streamlined. Corvisari delivered a collection of imperfect masterpieces for Connor and his bandmates. 
Yes. Yeah. They're so good. <laughs> yes. Uh, especially the first one, the music video that they they pr- produce, yeah. I suppose. In the they, alleyway. Yeah. And yeah. they're all just wearing completely different, crazy things, whatever they could find <laughs> yeah. in their parents' closet, in their closet, <laughs> anywhere. One, one of them's a cowboy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who the hell brought a cowboy costume? Me. It's all I could find. Mom, where's a cowboy costume in a band? There's a cowboy in the village, people. And Adamant. Adamant is a highwayman. So we can have a highwayman, but we can't have a cowboy. Yeah, that's the idea. I mean, this is still kind of an aesthetic and a look, and you can you can yeah. now buy clothes that look like this. Yeah. But, you know, at the time, it was not, that was not the case. And, you know, when people would do things, like they would they would rip their shirt, <laughs> and then they would pin it back together with safety pins, you yes, know, and yeah. they mm-hmm. and it it kind of harkens to Pretty in Pink a little bit, the yeah. John Hughes movie, where you you see her getting ready in the morning, and you see that she is putting together these clothes. You know, mm-hmm. these are not things that she can buy at the store. You no. know, this stuff is mm-hmm. not available anywhere. These kids are throwing these things together. Yeah. I like the, I really like the velvet blue suit that Eamon yeah. wears in this movie. Me too. <laughs> it's very fun. It's great. Before Sing Street, John Carney made a film in America with big name actors like Keira Knightley and Mark Ruffalo. Carney didn't enjoy the fame aspect of huge premieres and the headache of the paparazzi. So for his next film, he decided to work with a group of fairly unknown actors instead. Casting kids that weren't established musicians or actors helped reinforce the fantasy that these were average kids writing and playing music. I think that really helps with the immersion that you mentioned earlier, Robin. Having just what seemed like real random kids that you just knock on the door and it's this kid who lives Mm -hmm. here being the main characters Mm -hmm. makes it work so well. Yeah, I really like that this is a story that takes place in Ireland, is filmed in Ireland, has Irish actors. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. I feel like if this were an American production, they would have done oh, this geez. thing where they were like, yeah, the story takes place in Ireland, but we're filming it on sets mm-hmm. in America, and we're going to hire <laughs> yeah. these high-profile yeah. child actors. There's nothing wrong with having the, the big names. It's just that this really helped with the movie and the feel and the aesthetic. So Ferdia Walsh-Pilo plays Connor. The lead character dealing with a turbulent home life and the trials of a new school. Ferdia was one of the first kids to audition for the part, and John Carney later admitted that he originally thought that he could find someone better for the role. Hmm. The ori- <laughs> yeah, imagine hearing that later. You're like, yeah, cool. I, mean, I suppose if you see someone first, you're like, I don't want to go with the first yeah. person I True. see, you know? The original plan was to find an actor that could pull off playing the part of a musician. But Ferdia was more of a musician than an actor. When the final cast had been put together, the band was made up of musicians that had little to no acting experience. Since Sing Street, Ferdia has starred in the series Vikings as King Alfred. Hey. Or Alfred nice. the Great. Yeah. He's been in a few things. A lot of these kids have since yeah. Sing Street. Yeah. Awesome. Mark McKenna plays Eamon. Connor's bandmate and fellow songwriter with an obsession with bunnies. <laughs> yes. Since the film, McKenna has gone on to play Simon Kelleher in the series One of Us is Lion. Mm. This character was actually based on one of Carney's friends, who was also named Eamon, 
and who also loved bunnies. He is the real-life Sing Street bassist. Nice, man. Yeah, for the songs in the movie. (laughs) I think that's really cute. It is. And him, Connor and Eamon, you know, Connor meets another kid first, and then, you know, but him and Eamon really have the strong friendship, I think, Mm -hmm. relationship in the movie. They really confide in each other a lot yeah. more. Yeah. Because it seems like Connor, almost at any time, can just come over and be yep. like, hey, want to help me write a song? And Eamon's like, heck uh, yeah. yeah. Always. <laughs> yes. Every time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Always. Ben Carolyn plays Darren, the first friend that Connor makes at the school. Darren becomes the band's manager and films the music videos. Carolyn appears in the series Kin with Aiden Gillen and Maria Doyle Kennedy, who play Connor's parents in Sing Street. Hey. Oh, that's yeah. All these ties. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> so this is a kid, Ben Carroll, and this is the first kid that Connor meets at the school. And I think yeah. this is probably the character that has the accent that yeah. might be oh, the yeah. hardest. Might have a difficult mm-hmm. time. It's thick. Yeah, it's very thick. Yeah, it's beautiful. It is amazing. It's a beautiful though. accent. Yes. It is very, very thick. Yeah. But he's also very distinct. He's got the bright red hair. Yes. And it's very curly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I-, I will say, though, you know, it is a very thick accent, but it's not difficult to understand what he's trying to get across mm-hmm. because the scenes are so well written that you know what's happening still, despite yeah. not hearing yeah. exactly what he said. And I will say it gets easier to understand as the movie goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lucy Boynton plays Rafina, the girl that inspires Connor to start the band. Boynton is six years older than Ferdia, making her 21 while filming. She has appeared in major films like Bohemian Rhapsody and Murder on the Orient Express. Oh, hey. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Lucy mailed in her audition on tape, and it soon became obvious that she had great chemistry with Ferdia. Rafina is quite an interesting character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the catalyst for really everything that happens. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of fun. Connor goes to the school. He's having a rough first day. Yep. And he sees her just kind of standing on the steps of this girl's home mm-hmm. outside of the school. And he, it's just like, it just all comes together for him. Suddenly, mm-hmm. in his mind, he realizes. He's like, hold on. <laughs> I know how to improve my life. <laughs> like, it's, I will make a band. Dude. The guts on this kid. Man. I know. I could never do that. Incredible. It, just, yeah. Like, if if they had gone to the same school, you at least have an excuse to talk to her, right? Yeah. No, no. no. She's a stranger across the street <laughs> mm-hmm. from the school. Yes. That's that takes some serious bravery. There. Yes. He really comes on into his own in the movie Absolutely. and does a lot of things that are very brave. Just initially. Percy Chambaruka plays Ingig, the bandmate on the keyboard in the film. Chambaruka hasn't acted much since the film, but pursued a career in music and is now a rapper known as Jafaris. Hey. Nice. Carl Rice as Gary and Connor Hamilton as Larry (laughs) round out the band. Rice appeared in the film Let the Wrong One In, and Hamilton has continued his career as a musician. So a couple of them didn't continue to act, but they... Yeah, these were all pretty talented kids. Yeah, sounds like they were still influenced. Yeah. We love Sing Street for many reasons, but what really lifts this film up is the collection of original songs. Yeah, oh my gosh, for sure. Yes. Yes. Written and composed by Gary Clark and John Carney, 
Each song in this film mimics a certain 1980s style of music. The goal was to create songs that were recognizable, but were also completely brand new. What a tough thing to do. Oh my gosh, yeah. To write something completely new, but people have to, when they first hear it, they have to feel like, I've heard this song before. Mm -hmm. Gary Clark is a well-known Scottish musician known for the bands Danny Wilson, King L, and Transistor. Danny Wilson's probably the one he's most known for. Yeah. Mm. From the 1980s, and he was making music in the 1980s as a successful musician when this is taking place. Amazing. John Carney was a fan of Clark's music in the 1980s and felt he was the perfect choice to write the music for Sing Street. He claims that Clark wrote most of the songs with a little inspiration from Carney, but Clark says that Carney is just being modest. (laughs) Yeah, so we don't know. (laughs) Yeah, don't know how much is... Yeah, John Carney said that, you know, he would just kind of write some lyrics every once in a while and and he would give him the plot points and he'd say, here's what's going on in the movie. Here are some thoughts I have jotted down. Do what you will. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So the first song here is The Riddle of the Model. Sing Street begins with a focus on Connor and his family. His parents are on the verge of separating and money is tight. The strongest relationship Connor has is his brother, Brendan, played by Jack Rayner. Rayner also starred in the hugely popular film Midsummer. Brendan and Connor bond over music, as Brendan introduces his brother to new bands and styles. Yeah, we see this kind of immediate, they have this really strong relationship, and it's very sweet, and you see it early on. You know, he's like, oh, come here, listen to this, watch mm-hmm. this on the TV. Mm-hmm. You know, and I love it. The, it's Arsh Robert. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, and so they're watching Duran Duran on the TV, and, you know, he's telling Connor all this stuff, this deep analysis of the music mm-hmm. that Connor later regurgitates. Yeah. You know, <laughs> just kind of <laughs> adopting the things that his brother is telling him. <laughs> And I love that they the the video they chose was Girls on Film because that would be the one that the parents were like, "What are you watching?" <laughs> yeah. It's art. <laughs> Connor and his band first try to cover a Duran Duran song before writing their own. Brendan breaks the recording of the cover, declaring that Connor can't expect to win over a girl with someone else's art. Yep. Mm-hmm. At first, I thought he was going to be kind of mean throughout because he was so, like... (laughs) He's so passionate. Yeah. 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 But he smashed it. He's like, this is crap. You 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 can't do this. You can record over those. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, you know, so I I was afraid he might be a little bit harsh the whole time, but he's like, he knows exactly what to do. (laughs) The Riddle of the Model is the first song that Connor and Eamon write together. And it's inspired by artists like Duran Duran and Depeche Mode and calls back to the new romance style popular in the early 1980s. What's the song about, Connor? It's like when you don't know someone, they're more interesting. They can be anything you want them to be. Yeah. But when you know them, there's limits to them. No, that doesn't make any sense. What's it called? The Riddle of the Model. John Carney thought The Riddle of the Model was the perfect name for a young teenager's song 
because it is just pretentious enough for a teen to create. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. I could see myself being a teenager <laughs> writing poetry, doing that and being like, oh, yeah. The riddle of the model. Like, yeah. I can see. Oh, like, I'm, I'm so deep. So deep, yeah. I, I mean, I, I am an ocean, man. Yeah. I'm yeah. an ocean amongst puddles. I yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, our next song is Up. In 1980s Ireland, it was illegal to get divorced. It was also easier financially for couples to stay together, even if it meant that they were unhappy. Connor's parents are constantly fighting, and tensions are high at home. In contrast, Connor is completely infatuated with Rafina, even though she already has a boyfriend. Yeah, mm. he's still trying to kind of pursue a romantic relationship with someone, even though he is being constantly reminded yeah. of what it's like when it doesn't work out. You know, yeah, his yeah. parents are fighting at each other's throats constantly. You just hear the screaming a lot in the house. Yeah. They portray it perfectly because they don't fight in front of the kids. And mm -hmm. this is very, you know, mm -hmm. you never yep. see the fight. You always just hear the fight. And then when they're in the same room, you just see this very thick tension yep. and just unhappiness. And that that's it. You know? Yeah, I mean, that's what the kids would be experiencing. Yeah. So yeah. it's that perfect perspective that they mentioned before. They don't want to have it be influenced by an adult perspective. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this is the perfect way because right. that's the only way the kids would ever experience something like this. Yeah. Yeah. And Connor is able to kind of be outside of what's going on. And that's why Brendan is the one that's telling him, oh, here's what's happening. Mm -hmm. You know, trying yeah. to kind of bring him back into what's going on with the family. After hearing their mother and father having an argument, Brendan tells Connor that he thinks she is having an affair. Connor promptly grabs the records Brendan lent him and goes to visit Eamon. Together, they write the song up. The records in this scene are Joe Jackson, The Police, and The Jam. The song is so beautiful, it moves Rafina to tears when she hears it. It is a very pretty song. Yeah, it is. And this is one of those something beautiful can come out of something not so yeah, not so nice yeah. you know, mm -hmm. moments. And the even Eamon's mom, you know, is dancing. <laughs> you know, when they're playing this song, she's like, "All yeah. right, this is pretty good." You know, <laughs> and you know, we we know there's something going on there with her and her husband, and yeah, which doesn't really get explored, but you no. know, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's just this nice. A little bit of an escapism, but also it's very, you know, Rafina obviously connects to it very much so and mm -hmm. has she has a very difficult life too, you know, living in the, the girl's home and mm -hmm. the next song we have is a beautiful sea. Being in the band has given Connor new confidence that he didn't have before. He doesn't want to fade into the background and follow the rules. Instead he prefers to stand out and express himself however he chooses. After all, Rock and roll is a risk. Appearing at school in makeup and dyed hair, Connor is met with an angry reaction from the headmaster, Brother Baxter. Baxter demands Connor wash his makeup off, but Connor refuses because there are no rules saying that he can't wear it. In a fit of power-hungry rage, Baxter forces Connor's head under running water and wipes his face clean. 
This is probably the most messed up yeah. Yeah. scene. It's very upsetting. Yeah. It's hard to watch this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just, you can see, even though he was brave in the beginning, yeah. just the amount of bravery, you know, since yeah. this compiling, you know, mm-hmm. he starts out of the school, he's kind of timid, he's kind of shy, he's being targeted by this bully, mm-hmm. and now he's coming to school in makeup. He walks in with so much confidence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got this awesome trench coat. Yeah. You know, he's got this <laughs> great, his makeup looks fantastic. Yeah. You know, he's got, I think he's the front of his hair, hair is dyed blonde. <laughs> yeah. Just very different, trying mm-hmm. different things out. And then that confidence gets utterly destroyed just, by Brother yeah. Baxter. Yeah. Completely tearing him down by yeah. forcing him to wipe, wash the makeup off and just. Very violently. Violently, really. yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it was really like off putting even before that, too. Because mm-hmm. the way Brother Baxter was acting, like, oh, if you do it, you know, if you're nice about it, you can use my bathroom. Because he's yeah. in like, the office, yeah. right? He was like trying to be kind of mm-hmm. nice about it, almost yeah. like he was going to still yeah. be weird. He's like, you have a pretty face. Yeah, you don't he need was makeup. He, yeah. yeah, take take pride in your God given features. Right. So it was a little bit weird already. Mm-hmm. And then he just chases him to the bathroom and fucking does the yeah. thing. You know. This encounter though doesn't deter Connor from pursuing his music, and after some influence from Brendan and Rafina, decides to try out a new happy sad sound. Yeah. Connor and Rafina's relationship continues to blossom. She waits for him to get out of school, and he continues to write songs about her. As the characters learn to become their true selves around each other, Connor tends to put on more makeup, and Rafina puts on less. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but one thing I thought was kind of funny, if I were her, and she was, you know, she was told, somebody told me that oh, yeah, I have a band, and we have a music video that we want you in, right? Mm-hmm. I'd be like, cool. But then I'd hear these three songs, and I'd be like, you have songs that are She's... not about me. Yeah. <laughs> do you have, do you ha- did you write anything before you talked to me? Because you said you had the band already. So <laughs> I think she is pretty in on what's going on. Yeah, yeah. I, think she... I know. She's, she's, yeah, she knows. Yeah, yeah. I think even <laughs> after sure. that first song, The Riddle of the Model, she was she's like, like oh, that's sweet. And he's like, it's not about you. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. like, okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, how, well, how many boy. models do you know? <laughs> Six. Fifteen. <laughs> a Beautiful Sea is inspired by The Cure, especially the record, The Head on the Door. For the music video, Connor has the original idea that the girl commits suicide by jumping into the water. Rafina suggests, instead, that she is actually a mermaid that misses her friends, and so she returns to the sea. Connor tells Rafina to pretend to jump in the water during the music video. Even though she can't swim, Rafina actually jumps in, forcing Connor to save her. Afterward, he asks her why she did that. She tells him it was for the art, and you can never do it by half. Can you really not swim? No. So why did you do that then? For our art, Cosmo. You can never do anything by half. Do you understand that? So he takes that chance to kiss her. 
Yeah. Young love, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. The next song is Drive It Like You Stole It. Ooh, this one's a bop. Yeah. This is the song. <laughs> Possibly the most popular song from the film is Drive It Like You Stole It. The song exemplifies the movie's message of seizing control of your own life, no matter the circumstances you're currently facing. Connor first gets the idea for the song while he and his siblings attempt to drown out the sounds of their parents fighting with the Hall & Oates song, Maneater. As they're dancing in his room, Connor's brother Brendan says to him, This is the life, Connor. Drive it like you stole it. When it comes time to film the music video, we no longer see the 1980s equipment and makeshift costumes. Instead, the audience sees what Connor's vision was for the video, an American prom scene with influences from Back to the Future and West Side Story. So for the first time, so the first yeah. couple of, you know, we've seen a couple of music videos from what was it really looked like, right? Mm -hmm. We saw what they actually looked like. Yeah. And then at this point in the movie, you know, they're becoming more polished. They're getting into the groove of being a band. Yeah. And he rents out the school gym and he wants to have this American prom type music video. Yeah. Similar to Back to the Future. And... Then we have this high budget, high quality, what a music video would look like with all, you know, the budget and that, everything yeah, the actual made budget. today, you know, mm -hmm. what that would look like. And, and so we see his imagination of, and, and it's kind of like, you know, I, I, I like to think that the other music videos also had a Connor version. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, know, his, his brother on. told him to dream big. He was yeah. like, you know what? imagine it do you know do it if you have it in your head that's what matters like right get it <laughs> yeah and so you know the other ones didn't turn out you know the way exactly the way he wanted them to but you know with this one we get to see the connor version mm -hmm. not what actually happened and it's really fun this oh, is a yeah. really fun scene the music video and in this scene he imagines that rafina shows up to do the video but this is actually the first time she doesn't come mm -hmm. in the movie and yeah, this is the the disappointment, the the shift from yeah. this you know gym full of kids doing nineteen fifties dances. Brendan shows up, <laughs> yes. his hair is cut. He gets into a he gets into a switchblade fight with yeah. somebody, you know, and yeah. uh, brother Baxter does a backflip. Yeah, and, he does flips and all. Yeah, that. Oh, I mean man. it's it's wild. Yes. it's wild. But it's it's like this is what a fantasy sequence should be. Is, mm -hmm. You know, go go as crazy as you want. <laughs> The contrast between Connor's imagination and his reality shows the height of his ambition and foreshadows why he can't stay where he is if he wants to achieve his dreams. There's like five people in front of him that yeah. have just been kind of like swaying, swaying back a and bit, forth. Done, yeah. doing the awkward prom shuffle. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. And Rafina just isn't there anymore because she's yeah. in the imagination video. Mm -hmm. And he's like, like looking over at the door, waiting for her mm -hmm. to actually come in. Yeah, she never and actually showed nope. up. Yep. Connor decides that the best next step for the band is to play the end of term disco. He invites everyone he can think of, Brendan, his parents, and Rafina. Watching Connor become more involved in his music has taken a toll on Brendan, and he loses his temper when Connor brings up the gig. He explains that he paved the way for his brother, and he laments the fact that in his own eyes, he hasn't lived up to his potential. So him and Brendan have this really nice relationship throughout the movie, and then there's this, this moment here when Brendan has a little bit of a breakdown, 
and he yeah. yells at Connor. You know, mm-hmm. he kind of, but I wouldn't say that he is really yelling at Connor. I think mm-hmm. he's just yelling, and Connor is in the way. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yep. He's I, got yeah. his frustration and he's getting it out. Yeah. And it just happens to be. Yeah. He has this, it's an incredible speech where he's so, he's so eloquently. Yeah articulates you get, exactly how he feels you get an immediate visual yeah you know exactly how he feels he explains about how he was there first and he had to you know fight to pave the way for connor so that he has the ability to do these things you know before when it was just me and it was just me and mom and dad i couldn't do this stuff i couldn't have gotten away with the things that you're doing mm-hmm. but you do get to do those things and it's frustrating yeah you know, he's frustrated and he, you know, people see him as this burnout and he's like, I wasn't always this way, you know, and and the, it is a very poignant speech. And it's really nice because he gives the speech and Connor just lets him have his moment. Yeah. He doesn't argue with him. It's not mm-hmm. an argument. It's not a fight. No. He just says it. And yep. Connor's just like, I got to go. Like, I, I, you know, like, yeah. I just, I, I'll yep. be right back. I mean, back. how do you respond to yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. So he just leaves the room, but just lets him have that, you know, he doesn't say that any of it's wrong. No. You know, he acknowledges that everything he says is true. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he can't say that it's wrong because mm-hmm. he yeah. wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's how Brendan feels, yeah. you know, it's like, yeah. he can't invalidate that. So he's no. just like, okay. Yeah. Like, you know, and. And he can't do anything about it. Yeah. Either, you know, it's, and, yeah. and Brendan knows that. Mm-hmm. And you followed the path that I cut for us, untouched. You just moved in my jet stream. And people laugh at me, Connor, the stoner, the college dropout, and they praise you, which is fine. But once, I was a fucking jet engine. And I think he, he, he really knows that he, could not have started this band without his brother. His brother is the one that has introduced him to all these different bands. And if mm-hmm. he wasn't introduced to these bands, where would he be? Yeah, he wouldn't be able to to make these right this music, yeah. these music and videos. We all have older siblings, mm-hmm. right? And so yeah. we all can identify with this relationship a little bit. You know, yeah. we've all we all have people in our lives that introduced us to things that we like, mm-hmm. you know, and people that help pave the way for things for us and make, yeah. Room, yeah. you know, uh, Marcy is number seven in, yes. in a family <laughs> of kids. You know, I think, you know, some, some there, blood was shed in the yeah, battle to make was, things. Yeah. Some leeway <laughs> that went yeah. through as the years went on. You know, Adam only has one sibling above him, mm-hmm. but yeah. still you just have, mm-hmm. have an older sibling and, you know, they have very strong influences on our lives. You know, Absolutely. I, I have four yeah. older siblings. So, and later on, Connor ends up apologizing that that he didn't realize or didn't think about how Brendan paved the way for him. Yeah, it takes him a while to to get those words together after Brendan has cooled, but he's like, oh, "Yeah, I'm sorry." Essentially, like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the three songs the band plays at the end of term disco are Girls, To Find You, and Brown Shoes. So talk about these really quick. (laughs) Connor starts writing Girls during the film after his art teacher asks if Rafina is his girlfriend. 
He answers yes, but promptly takes it back and says she is just a model that he knows. The teacher replies simply, all the complicated girls and boys. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, and this is a fun song, and you know, it's I like little scenes like that in the movie. There's a couple moments like that where you can see how he's kind of gleaning things from people yeah. and putting it into his art. You know, mm-hmm. people do this, and it, it has, especially when you're a writer. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes people just say things offhand, and they don't realize how lyrical it sounds, Mm -hmm. you know, or poetic it sounds. And then so you just piece those things together and you put them in, you know, make them titles of stories and Mm -hmm. put it in dialogue and that kind of stuff. Yeah, it shows you you don't have to just get your influence from the big names. You get Mm -hmm. them from the people around you. Yes, (laughs) yeah. To Find You is the other song. At the disco, Connor wants to play a slow song. All of his bandmates protest except Eamon and the group launches into a ballad called To Find You. <laughs> Everybody yeah. boos they and do. leaves the dance floor. There's like maybe like four <laughs> couples out there yeah. so, I think just that like, are yeah, swaying. The, the two, te- two teachers are <laughs> yeah. dancing with each other. <laughs> Connor and Eamon wrote the song about his relationship with Rafina after she leaves town with another boyfriend and insults Connor. There's a part in the movie where she does go off with the mm-hmm. other boyfriend yeah. and essentially abandons Connor and, you know, does come back to him. Right. And uh, when she comes back, she's not necessarily, you know, she's also disappointed yeah. in her life and the way things worked out with this boyfriend and and these kinds of things. And she kind of doesn't really consider how she's making Connor feel. Right. No. And yeah. so he writes this song about their relationship. Right, and it's not like she's just like, oh, I can't really hang out with you. I have a boyfriend, you know? Mm -hmm. I have to be with him, blah, blah, blah. She was, like, leaving the country. They were going to go to London, right? So they would have been gone. Like, they probably would have never seen each other again. Yeah, yeah. So it's, like, extra hard on Connor. Yeah, that she would just do that. Right. Yeah. While writing it, Eamon and Connor discuss destiny and finding their way out of Dublin foreshadowing the end of the movie spoilers yeah Yeah, so this is the other really strong relationship that he has is with Eamon Eamon and Brendan the two you Mm -hmm. know the two non-romantic strong relationships that he has in the movie (laughs) Eamon's basically like you know what go get the money get out of this place (laughs) yeah do it And then come and back then and bring get it. Yeah, and then here. bring that money and stuff back. So we can continue to have a band, please. <laughs> I do enjoy this yes. band. Yeah. <laughs> Brown Shoes is the final show-stopping number to close out the dance. The song is about Connor's disdain for Brother Baxter and the authority of the school. Before the disco, he and his bandmates make dozens of Brother Baxter masks for the students to wear during the song. The number is the ultimate rebellion and pretty much guarantees that the band will never be allowed to play at school ever again. Yeah. It's basically, <laughs> it's it's this really cool, they got to feel really cool. You know, yes, they like look they at did. each other like, this is it, boys. This yeah. is, this is the, this is, this is all, all or nothing. Yeah, lay it all on the <laughs> yeah, floor. Yeah, once we do, do it. once we do this, we're never going back, you know. <laughs> and this song, it's, it is exactly what you wish you could do. Yes. To every teacher or bully or whoever it was that really made your life difficult. Mm-hmm. You wish you could publicly humiliate them by writing a song about how terrible they are. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and everyone in the room is like, yes. Yeah. They're, they 
full on because <laughs> yeah. they they obviously were also targeted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the song is possibly a little inspired by pop music by M and Motorhead's Stay Clean. Connor begins writing the song halfway through the movie. It is something that is on his mind and he is dealing with it every day at school. Yeah. Yeah, the title Brown Shoes is inspired by the fact that when he first got to the school, he got in trouble for having brown shoes instead of black shoes. And that's absolutely something that happens at Catholic school. Oh, yeah. In case yes. anybody was wondering. Mm-hmm. Yep. That is a real thing. Mm-hmm. Every, everything has to be right. The mm-hmm. length of your socks, mm-hmm. the color of your shoes, yep. everything. The simplest things. Mm-hmm. So the last, last mo- song of the movie is Go Now. The movie ends on a more introspective and dreamlike note, as the final song is not sung by the band, but by Adam Levine of Maroon 5. After the gig, Connor leaves his band behind to run home with Rafina. The two wake Brendan and ask for a ride to the docks so they can take a boat to London and try to make it there on their own. (sighs) That's big and scary. Yeah, Yeah, especially they don't have money, they don't have jobs lined up, they're just Mm -mm. gonna go. With enthusiastic support, Brendan gets them to the dock safely and hands Connor some song lyrics that he wrote. Very, very sweet, you know, final, hey, you know, you just want to turn this into a song someday, you know. As he watches his brother take the chance that he wishes he would have taken, Brendan throws his arms into the air with excitement and pride. It's very sweet. It is, you know. Because the last time we saw him was like his breakdown, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Him cooling off about it. But we're, you know, in the back of our minds, we're still like, oh man, he's frustrated that this isn't him mm-hmm. doing all this. Yeah. But he still ends at the end of it is still mega supportive. Yes. Oh yeah. He's supportive, and he just he's just so excited for mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. And this is probably going to lead to him doing more with his life. Yeah. Seeing somebody else do it, he's like, hey, I can do it too. Yeah. yeah. Connor and Brendan's relationship was inspired by John Carney's relationship with his brother. He explained that parents have an idea who their children should be, but older siblings allow their younger siblings to be themselves. So, you know, you know Brendan and Connor have more of that, of a connection in that sense. And, you know, they don't, you know, he, he Brendan allows him to leave the country. Right. Whereas his parents would never have driven him to the docks oh, to do yeah. that. Absolutely yeah. it's, not. It's, and it, we know that the next day, or I guess that morning, because they left like mm-hmm. bright early in the morning, right? Mm-hmm. Like before so. anyone it else was awake. It was kind of like basically in the middle of the night and then early morning. Yeah, like yeah. right at dawn. So the parents may have still been asleep and then they're going to yeah. wake up to Connor fucking gone and it's <laughs> gonna be like what and brendan still lives there yeah he's gonna have to deal with that yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. oh snap john carney wanted the end of the film to be ambiguous he told tasha robinson of the verge after the film was released i sort of hoped the scene at the end would look a little like a fantasy sequence you're supposed to wonder where the reality ends and the pop video begins but people are actually taking it very seriously and people are presuming it's fully real which is interesting. That wasn't the intention. I took it as fully real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh no, they're yeah. boating mm-hmm. into a big storm. I guess they should have done more mm-hmm. to this sequence. Like, yeah. Just go like full grease and the boat, the boat like takes off into the sky yeah. or something. Like, I, like, how else would you make it f- fantasy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because up until that point, the only fantasy thing we've seen was the one music video. 
Right, and, and that's we were, kind of... we were already pulled out of that. I think that's what we were supposed to think this is becoming. Yeah. That Maybe. music video that he imagined. Yeah, looking back at it now, I can kind of see it because you think about how it's Adam Levine singing this song. It's it's mm-hmm. it's not them singing music. It's outside, you know, you're just hearing mm-hmm. this music and then you're watching them their, do their thing. Yeah, it looks like it could be a music video. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's an interesting ending. I, I, I think it's just generally up for interpretation. You yeah. Know? But yeah, I was surprised to see that that was not the intention because mm-hmm. I, I also thought it was pretty literal at mm-hmm. the end. I guess we all just Same. wanted it to happen. Yeah. So seeing it at the end of the movie made us feel like it was happening. Yes. I know he kind of joked in an interview. He was like, kind of wish they died at the end, you know? They're in that big <laughs> swell and, right. you know, yeah. kills them. I'm like, oh, my. No. Oh, no. Terrible. No, 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 no. Yeah. Brendan just sends them off to die. No, thank you. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm glad that's not what happened. Yeah, Seriously, same. that would have been so sad for so many people. Yeah. And speaking of all those people, we, we ran through the the main squad, <laughs> but obviously there were more people in this movie. Don Witcherly played Brother Baxter. Witcherly also appeared in Carney's TV series, Bachelor's Walk, and also guest starred in a couple of episodes of Moon Boy. Nice. I love Moon Boy. Yeah. John Carney praised Witcherly's performance as the thuggish and tyrannical Brother Baxter and admitted that he also had a teacher at Sing Street that was just as rough with the kids. In fact, a story circulated that a former schoolboy saw this teacher waiting in line at the movies once and just punched him in the face in retaliation for the years of abuse he inflicted. Yeah. Wow. Yikes. Yep. Wow. (laughs) He said this teacher would straight up just punch kids in the face, throw them on the ground, push them against walls. This is a legitimate evil teacher. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then we have Ian Kenny as Barry. Barry is Connor's main bully and makes his life hell at Sing Street. The film shows that Barry has an incredibly difficult home life which could be partly why he acts out at school. It's rough. Yeah. We we see it two times in the movie. Mm-hmm. We're introduced to him first, and he just seems like a jerk. Mm-hmm. And Yep. And then we see his family. Mm-hmm. Connor and his bandmates recognize the power that music has of bringing people together, so they recruit Barry to be their roadie near the end of the film. This gives him an outlet and includes him in the fun. Yeah. It's a very sweet little addition in the movie. I think it's very, very cool. You know, they recognize that he's he's a bully because he's unhappy Mm -hmm. himself. And so they go, they knock on his door. They're like, hey, just join us. Yeah. Hang out with us. You know, Mm -hmm. be our roadie. You can kick people out when they're unruly, throw them off stage, yeah. and lift heavy stuff. Yeah. You're perfect for this job. And he's yep. like, okay, you know. <laughs> yeah, he almost he almost didn't, but then his dad, or we presume his dad, like mm-hmm. called him to like uh, get him a beer or some mm-hmm. garbage, right? Yeah. He's like, you know what? Yeah, yeah you know nah, what? This is this this would be much better. <laughs> what are you gonna do when you get kicked out of school? Stay home with your mom and dad, watching daytime telly, getting wasted? Yeah, okay. Well, we're going to be in a band. Gigging on the road, different venues each night, different women. And you know what bands need? 
What do buttons need? Roadies. Kenny currently plays Declan in the TV series Red Election. Yeah. Nice. Aiden Gillen as Robert, who is Connor's father. Gillen is likely most well-known for his role as Littlefinger in the HBO series Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You watch this movie and you go, yep. oh, look, it's Littlefinger. Yes. <laughs> Just, what, like add like a mustache or something? Yeah. And there you go. There he is. I, I never watched Game of Thrones, but I even mm-hmm. recognized him. Mm-hmm. Maria Doyle Kennedy as Penny, who is Connor's mother. Kennedy is an Irish actress known for roles like Siobhan Sadler in Orphan Black and recently voiced Moa McTierre in Wolfwalkers. Yeah. Lastly, we have Kelly Thornton as Anne, Connor's sister. Thornton starred in the 2013 film Life's a Breeze and has starred in several short films since Sing Street. Yeah. Nice. All right, next we have awards and reception. Okay. Let's talk about that. The film was pretty well received in the United States. It received several nominations and won some awards, too. Cool. Yeah. Included in these awards were the Clotridus Award for Best Use of Music in a Film, the Faroe Island Film Festival Award, which was the Golden Moon Award for Best Screenplay, Sounds cool. Yeah. yeah. The International Online Cinema Halfway Award for Best Original Song. Can you guess what song, guys? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Drive It Like You yeah. Stole It. <laughs> the Irish Film and Television Award for Best Actor in a Supporting Role, Jack Rayner. He did a really good job. He did. It was in the top 10 independent films from the USA National Board of Review. And it won some other awards as well, including a Southwest Airlines Audience Award. I thought that one was pretty funny, so I wanted to include it. I know, right? I I think maybe is it because it's because all the people flying wanted to watch this movie? Probably. They were like, you know what? Yeah. Probably got the most like purchases, right? Like out of a list of movies. movies. Yeah. Ah, could be, yeah. Yeah, I know I also read that John Carney was talking about how it was hard to get people to watch the movie Yeah, in America. He said that, you know, the other ones did better, mm-hmm. but they had worse exit polls initially mm. because the other ones had sad endings. And yes. then this one was doing better in exit polls, but they couldn't get people to go see it. Can try your best. I but... don't even remember it being in theaters here. And it probably... Yeah, I think it probably just was only in a few. It was like mm-hmm. a limited release. And... Right, real small theaters. Yeah. Next, we have some little fun facts, things we All weren't right. able to fit in with everything else we just want to include. The film was adapted into a Tony Award-winning Broadway musical. Yay! Oh, that's That's cool. super that's cool. Pretty awesome. When interviewed about the movie, Americans always asked about the bunnies in the film. But Irish audiences did not. It wasn't. It wasn't weird until I no. saw how many he had. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh shoot, he's got bunnies. Yeah. I mean, some people have yeah. lizards, mm-hmm. and like some people have cats. Like, yep. it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's just a pet. He's, he just has them but on there, the bed. But <laughs> there were like five. It was yeah. so was, cute. It, yeah, they were. It, yeah. Also, because they're adorable. They, they are they're so like, so cute. Oh. <laughs> 
Some of Carney's old bandmates from the frames came and met the young band actors in the film. That's very cute. Which is, nice. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's <laughs> nice. All the kids are like, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one you're based on. Yeah. Was I alive Pal. during your music? No, I'm just kidding. Kids have a way of humbling you like that. Yeah, they, if, they really do. If I if something like that had happened to me and I met a band that I didn't know. Yeah. Because I was in a movie that was like kind mm. kind of sort of about them in a way. Yeah. I would one hundred percent look them up after. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the day I met them, I'd go home and listen to their stuff. Yeah. I'd be like I got to know who this is. <laughs> yeah. So do we have any final thoughts before I you know end this? This this is a a hidden gem movie, I think for sure. Yeah. At least for me, because I I had never heard of it until this, and it's fantastic. And I yeah. highly highly recommend people out there go and watch it. But if anything at all. Go check out the songs because yes. you'll just add them to your normal listens for sure. And I love this little detail on Spotify. Sing Street, the band, is listed <laughs> as an artist. Awesome. Like a real existing band Damn. on Spotify. Not just like, oh, here's the songs from the movie Sing Street. No, it's yeah. an artist, the band Sing Street on Spotify. <laughs> awesome. And it's just those songs. That's a great little touch. It is. Yeah. I hope they thought about it. When they added it, and they're like, "Oh, we should. They should be listed as an artist." That's I love that stuff. And this movie does such a good job of just making you love the characters and the music yeah. and everything about it from from top to bottom, from the beginning. You really, you really like everyone, aside yeah. from you know the trouble with the parents and then obviously the teacher who you're meant to not like. Yeah, mm-hmm. but other yeah. than that, like. All the friends get together real well, and they they have yeah. a great chemistry. I know. And yeah, they make it look so easy. Yeah. they just they all do. meet, and they're all like, "Okay, yeah. you know, let's do it." Mm-hmm. Pretty chill people, you know. <laughs> I love that stuff. Yeah, I tell everyone to watch this movie because yeah. I think that there's something in it that everyone can find that they will like and connect to. Mm-hmm. Sing Street has something for everyone. It's a heartwarming story about the trials of coming of age and finding where you belong. Not only can audiences connect with the nostalgic music, but there's also an honesty that we can all identify with. Sing Street is one of those true stories that never actually happened. The feeling, the tone, the experience are all very real, even though the events and the characters aren't. Many films tell coming-of-age stories, but this is a movie that immerses you in a moment that you may have forgotten, or at least tried to forget. It reminds us of the people and the events that helped us become the people that we are today. And watching Connor embrace his talents, make friends, discover his worth, and fight for his dreams inspires us all to drive it like we stole it. (laughs) I live along the highway, so I drive it like I stole it every day. Every day. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I guess with that, it's another case closed. Yeah. We've done better. Yeah, we've you done know. worse too. Yeah, we. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah everybody <laughs> visibly looked at me. <laughs> it probably would. Everybody clap your hands. <laughs> <laughs> I hope. I hope some people listening also clap. Before we go, we'd like to thank our patrons: Joel, John, Jacob, Jacqueline, JD, Anthony, Shelley, Bob, Linda, Carlos, and Jaren. Thank you all yes, very yes. much. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, you can now buy us a popcorn. 
at buymeacoffee.com slash blackcasediary. Thank you all to support the show, whether it be through listening, telling a friend, or donating. Also, recently we had a new review on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. And I felt like we should read it. And I I feel a little bad because the review is a little old. We just kind of missed it somehow. This was a review from MXSandy12. And they just said, they said a must for TV and film fans and that they adore this show. Oh, thank you. Very very sweet. Honestly, just such a nice little review. Yeah. 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 We really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you left that review, we don't know your name. We just know your username. So if if you want to tell us who you are, just go ahead and DM us on Twitter at Blackface Diary or you could email us, blackfacediaries at gmail.com. Whatever you want to do. Whatever. Or, or, or tweet at us. That's fine. Or, yeah. Or remain a secret forever. Yeah, you could be our secret admirer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be fun. Yes. Yeah, it is. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks very much, everybody. And uh, we'll see you later. See you next time in February. Oh. February. February. February we're, is we're excited. Frightening don't. February is coming back. Don't talk about it. Bye bye. Lee Almiro, son. Always. <laughs>